So I think it took uh, a few weeks, maybe maybe a few months, uh, but we finally have our new iMac. Something we've been waiting for for a long time, and it answers some questions, creates some new questions. Uh, not exactly what we were expecting, but it's cool. We'll get into all of that. But first, I believe we have some user-submitted questions. We do. Brad and Brant's always coming through for us, always here to give us some questions to start off the show. Thank you to both of you guys. Let's start off with Brad's question. He said that Matt mentioned in the last episode, the 6.7-inch iPhone feels massive. How does it compare to the 6.5-inch 11 Pro Max we currently have? Is it physically bigger? Um, go ahead, Matt. Take this one, and then I'll chime in. So I remember last week I had the dummies. You had yet to use them. Now you have. So we'll get your opinion on this. Obviously, it is substantially bigger. I'd say like, well, it's noticeably bigger at the very least. If you're already used to using a Max, I'm sure the difference isn't like that massive. But if you're not used to having a big phone already, this is I mean, it's the biggest iPhone ever. So there's no surprise that it's going to feel huge. But I mean, it's big. It's just straight up big. But I will say that having the uh, squared off corners like what we have with the iPhone 5, iPhone 4, iPad Pro, that makes the phone, I think, feel a little bit smaller or maybe not smaller, but just easier to hold. The squared off edges, I think, is my absolute favorite uh, feature of these new phones. I know the design, there's been a lot of stuff up in the air, but the design seems to be pretty set in stone. That right. uh, just kind of holding these dummies feels super cool, super premium, very different. Uh, but I agree, the 6.7, I don't know, when I played with it, it was like, okay, I got to kind of come to terms if I want <laughs> everything that I, I know. Uh, you know, the very best of what the iPhone lineup is going to offer this fall. It looks like at least as the rumors predict that you're going to have to go with the Pro Max to get all of the uh, stuff like the LiDAR and the sensor shift stabilization and stuff like that. So I was like, okay, if I had to go with this phone, I could do it. It's just a very massive phone, though I think the 6.1-inch is still the regular 12 Pro would still be my preferred option. But it, it is a very big phone. I We didn't – well, we didn't compare it to any other – I'm trying to think. Do we compare it to any other uh, phones we had in the studio? I don't think – think so no we did we we compared it to the note 20 which is brand new well the note 20 ultra uh and that is a 6.9 inch screen so it's even bigger and if it was a it was around the same size um and let's just say i mean they're both massive phones <laughs> but we did i mean we compared it to our phones so we have the 11 not the or the 11 pro not the pro max so you know you can see kind of the differences the more interesting one to me was going from the 11 pros 5.8 up to 6.1 because i mean that's that's a pretty decent sized jump there uh, but it actually doesn't feel as big to me again i think it's those squared off corners and I, it looks a little thinner also i don't know i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of with you i don't know which phone I'm going to get at this point because the rumors of what features we're going to get on each phone is just all over the place at this point. I'm always one that gets the best phone I can get. So if the LiDAR is on there and it's only on the Max and it only has, you know, the better camera and everything only on the Max instead of the regular Pro, well, I'm going to just have to suck it up and use the big one. But I really just hope I don't have to. I will say before we jump off of this, there was some discussion in the office every year. We always talk about what if we went with the smallest iPhone possible. Oh, yeah. and we have the dummy for the the 5.4 inch, the small iPhone 12. It is like it is the perfect one handed phone. It's basically like the size of an SE, but it is all screen. It is 
it's a real pleasure to use. I just, at least for me, I think it's a little too small. But would you consider well, it, Matt? Oh, absolutely. I love, I love that size. That is my ideal size. I just, like I was just saying, I want that camera. And I know the camera on the 12 is going to be good. Like, it's going to be great. But I want the best camera I can get. That's just how I am. Every year, that's just how it always is. Uh, but maybe there's a chance. Well, well, we're actually we're in the unique position that we'll actually have access to that phone. So, like, who knows? I might just actually use one for a little while. But uh, if I was just buying one phone, I'm still going to have to go the, with the Pro. I agree. Uh, speaking of iPhones and new iPhones, Brant's question this week was an interesting one. He said, hey, guys, a question this week. Do you use screen protectors? I feel like I uh, got to put one on my iPhone the moment I get it out of the box. How about you? Great question, Brant's. I will say that at least in my case, it was something I used to do, and I think I stopped doing it around the, I want to say the 5S was probably the one I, the first one I didn't do it on. I, I mean, screen protectors used to be a big deal. I always hated the struggle of putting them on, but it was always usually <laughs> worth it. Uh, and then I just kind of stopped, I think because the Gorilla Glass just got so good and I didn't really drop my phone and break it all but just one time. And I don't think a screen protector would have helped in that scenario. So I haven't really needed one. And then now, because we're in this iPhone upgrade program, if I was to drop and smash the screen, a screen protector is not going to help. And I will say that the Apple, uh, the iPhone upgrade program, they're pretty generous about returning the phone. If there's like some scratches on the screen, they're not really yeah, crazy about, really that. about that. Stuff. So I just, I haven't had the need to, and I just kind of have not. What about you, Matt? Have you, uh, when was the last screen protector you used on your iPhone? Uh, I'm, I think I'm in the same boat. The 5S um, was the last one. And there's one very simple reason for that. It's because the screen glass was not curved. As soon as they started curving it with the iPhone 6, uh, the screen protectors just never really worked that well. You would Most of the time, you would have a screen protector that went up right to the edge of where the curve started. So the actual corners of the glass would never actually be protected. So if you just had a screen protector and no case, then it basically was kind of useless at that point because if it hit the corner of the phone, it'd still hit the glass. Um, now they did have some versions that had, uh, they went around the edges, um, but I never really found them to be all that good. So I just never really used them. Uh, and then when we when it comes to the actual 10 series, I have yet to put a screen protector on any of these phones. Um, and an another reason there is that with face ID, you have to have a little notch cut out there. And I hate that. I, I don't want to see the little line of where the screen protector is. I can't handle that. So, uh, yeah, I'd rather, and again, I'm also in the upgrade program, so I don't really care that much if it breaks. I mean, it's honestly, if you break the screen, it's like half the price of a screen protector anyway. So, or a screen protector is half the price of the replacement screen. So it's like, it's worth that risk to me just to have a better screen experience. Um, I do have a screen protector on my iPad right now, though, although maybe you wouldn't call it a screen protector, but it's the Paperlike, which I'm sure if you've seen YouTube videos on the iPad, uh, you've probably seen a Paperlike ad. Um, so I've been using that for a few weeks now. I like it. It's pretty good. It's nice and smooth. It does feel very interesting when you're using the Apple Pencil, but that is, I wouldn't say that's for protection. That's more just uh, as a little experiment. Yeah, that's what I was actually going to ask if you use one on the iPad, because I have seen people gravitate toward them on the iPad 
things like paper like or like a matte screen protector just because they want to reduce glare, which we'll talk about later right. and I think is probably a good thing. But I just I haven't done one on the iPad or the iPhone. I just uh, I think you even made the point a while ago, kind of one of the reasons why you don't generally use a case is because you kind of want to get that full unencumbered experience of the phone and sometimes having a screen protector on there kind of took away from that a little bit. I used to find that like when I'd, uh, I'd sell an old iPhone or get a new one, I'd like take the screen protector off when I sold it. And I'd be like, man, like the glass under here is so nice. Uh, you know, there's no smudges, there's no air bubbles, like, you know, all those things that come with screen protectors, or at least if you don't put them on correctly, like I did, uh, <laughs> it was just like one of those things you lived with and not having one, I think makes it a little bit better. I don't know if you mentioned that before, Matt. Sounds. I don't know if the, I don't know if that was me, but, but yeah, I don't know if that was me, but I'm in that same boat. Like I, de- I definitely feel that way. I want the phone to feel as good as possible, and that means nothing on it. I mean, that's another reason why I don't even use a skin. Like I'll, maybe I'll put a skin every once in a while for like a few weeks at a time, but I eventually take them off because I, I don't know. I just I don't I get for a lot of people having that protection is necessary and you need to do it. I'm just in the situation where I don't, and I'm also. Like, I've never one single time broken a screen on my phone. I've never broken the back on a phone. I've never destroyed a phone. Like, it's just not something that happens to me. I know I'm in the rare minority there. Like, pretty much every single person I know has cracked a phone screen at one point or another. I just haven't done it. I'm very careful with my phone. So, it's just not something I care about that much. And, and again, goes back to the the Apple, uh, Apple Care. If it wasn't for that, I, I probably would. But since I know I could just easily replace it, it's not that big of a deal to me. Uh, I only cracked my phone screen once a couple (laughs) of years ago. I think it was with a toe. I want to say it was a, I couldn't have been a tennis max. It must've been, I think it was a seven plus. And I was on my way to class back in college. I was rushing. I was running late. I was walking on the sidewalk and I went to go put my phone in my pocket and sure enough, it didn't go into the pocket and it like hit on the side of the pocket <laughs> That's a classic. and then just went full force right in front of me onto the sidewalk, cracked, totally cracked the screen. I bet. I was, yeah. I'd bet the amount of people that have cracked their phone in the exact same way is probably over 50%. Like yeah. you go to put it in your phone, you think it's the pocket and it just misses the pocket and just slams on the ground. I'm sure I've, that happens to tons of people. I've never had a, I dropped it on the, I, I've dropped my phone plenty of times, but it's never resulted in a cracked screen. Knock on wood. So yeah, only I, I've one, dropped my phone. One, yeah. I've dropped my phone for sure, but I've never dropped it on concrete. I've never dropped it on tile. I've dropped it on carpet. And I've dropped it on hardwood, but that was like from sitting from like sitting on the couch height to to the floor. So it's like, what, half a foot, a foot. So it's like the phone's fine. Um, Yeah, that's one of those things that I just I don't understand all the people that crack their phone like once a year because there's a lot of those people out there. I just I just don't get it. But it's just not something that happens to me. If you guys have a question, a comment you would like to get involved in the conversation, we would love to hear from you. Uh, The Apple Circle hotline number is 949-354-3508, also in the show notes. Give us a a call, a text, leave us a voicemail. Uh, We would love to kind of get your question or comment uh, into the conversation. As always, Brant, Brad, thank you both so much. Uh, And uh, Again, again, give us a call, give us a text if you want to be uh, included in the next episode of the Apple Circle podcast next week. Uh, so, Matt, a lot of Apple news this week, surprisingly. I, 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 I think it actually all happened like in one day, too. So that was kind yeah. of interesting. But let's start with the big stuff. 
the long rumored iMac. Uh, I can't even say the, the iMac redesign, an iMac update. Uh, we had heard rumors going back a few weeks ago that the iMac was going to get a refresh, uh, a redesign. It was going to look more like the iPad Pro. We saw some renders. It looked awesome. It was like a Pro Display XDR, but like in a mini version. And then we heard it was coming at WWDC. Then a day before WWDC, that rumor backtracked and we weren't going to see it and it was going to come later this year, presumably. Then we heard that no, a redesign isn't coming, but there is going to be an update to the iMac. And then finally this week we got that new iMac. So can you tell us a little bit what is new and I, I mean, we can kind of, I guess, go through what's new first and then kind of talk about if you should buy one or not, because I still feel like it's a really awkward time to buy this machine because you know, less than two years from now, an ARM version is coming that will probably have a redesign. But let's talk about what right. we got this week. Yeah, so we have the same design, like you said. So if you look at them from afar, you're not going to notice really any difference, except for one thing, which we'll talk about in a second. But still have the 21 inch or 21.5 inch and the 27 inch. Interestingly, they got rid of all of the Fusion Drive slash hard drive. So only SSD options as standard now, which is great. I believe you could still pick a Fusion Drive for one option, but that's about it. So I think I heard I saw someone say this, but that means that every single Mac that Apple ships now comes with an SSD standard, right. which is that's nice. So that's a big speed bump, especially if you're getting a lower end processor. Uh, you'll notice that for sure over even a Fusion Drive. Um, that's one thing. Of course, processors, so it has the 10th gen processors in there, up to 128 gigabytes of RAM, which is great, but it is still user upgradable in the 27 inch model, which is even better. Uh, and I would highly suggest that you don't buy that upgrade from Apple because they charge a ridiculous amount. I think it's like 2000 bucks for 128 gigabytes of RAM when you can get it for like 400 bucks or something <laughs> third party and just do it yourself. So definitely do that. A few other things and that can kind of have to go with the, the display. So the display itself is the same, but there's this new nano texture coating, which is, I believe, sorry, the same thing break? that we saw on the Pro Display XDR. I'm coming they in. Just no, sorry. To the so that basically gives you an anti-glare display, but still keeps the clarity, which is cool. Um, and then one that I know a lot of people are wanting, a 1080p webcam. I, so this is this is an exciting update uh, in a spec regard, and it's been very interesting to see kind of some of the numbers and the performance people have been able to get out of these early units. Um, obviously, everyone's going gaga over the webcam. I just, it's I guess it's nice that they put a better webcam in there, but I don't really care that much. Um, but I think the most interesting thing for me is that nano texture that you can get as a display option. I think it's 500 bucks. And I saw a couple of videos like, you know, MKBHD obviously did a video on it and it does look pretty good. It definitely does a good job of reducing glare. If you had to build out your iMac, Matt, would you opt to choose that option? I think so. And I, this is kind of uh, the situation for me for everything that I upgrade. If I can see that there's a difference, then it kind of makes the upgrade a little bit more more worth it. Um, but I've actually, you know, I've seen the nano textures, the coating on, or is it a coating? I guess it's not a coating. It's an actual texture that's etched into the, the glass. Um, right. But I've seen that on the Pro Display XDR and I really liked it. So like, I, I'm cool with that. I like I'm using a matte display right now um, for this BenQ monitor that we're using, and I like it. I'm used to it at this point, and having seen it and having and knowing that most of the clarity is still there, it still makes the screen look really good. Then I think I would get it. You know, it's a little bit of a pricey upgrade, like 500 bucks. That's kind of a lot, but 
Yeah, I'd probably do it. What about you? I don't know. I'd probably, I'd probably opt for it. I, I guess it kind of just depends where you'd have this machine. I do have my iMac right now, my 27 inch, uh, the old guy here, uh, on the desk and it is like directly opposite of a window. So if I do have that window open, the glare is really bad. So I'd probably do it. But I think more than that, I think it's, uh, interesting to see all the options. And to me, the gotta check the box, you gotta do it is at 16 gigs of video memory. I don't, I have to see exactly Absolutely. what that card yeah. is, but that is because right now on the MacBook Pros, we like we said, we just got these, <laughs> these 16 inch MacBook Pros, you're maxed out at eight, uh, either with the GDDR6 or you can go with kind of the higher end. I think it's like one of the Vegas SKUs. Um, but now on the iMac, you could double that, which Ooh, is really tempting, and I wish that was an option on the lower end uh, on the MacBook Pros. But that would be a, a must, a must config. Uh, have you looked at any of the other other options, Matt? What you would, uh, what you'd build out if you had to pick one up? So I would probably, like I said, get the Nano Texture. I would get, I'd probably get the eight core tenth gen processor. Uh, from what I've seen, the benchmarks on that are great. You can upgrade that even more to get to the ten core. So I mean, that's. I'm, so you're getting you're going from a eight core tenth gen Core i seven to a ten core tenth gen Core i nine. So I mean that's a that's a you know that's a difference there for sure. But I probably wouldn't max out the processor because like you said, for us what really matters these days is the GPU. The processors are all pretty good these days. Um, so I probably get that version. I'd stick with the eight gigs of memory and just upgrade everything myself. Like I said, I'm looking now on the uh, the order page. 128 gigabytes of DDR four 200. Uh, 2666 megahertz memory, $2,600 for that upgrade. That is, that is ridiculous. Now, if it was not user upgradable, okay, you have something to think about there, but the fact that you can do it yourself, like don't even, don't even look at that option. Keep the eight gigabytes and just upgrade whether or not you want to go all the way to 128 or even 32 or even something in between. They let you, you don't have to go like 16, 32, 64 you can go to like 48 or something like that so like get what's right for you do that all third party way better and then i would definitely it's only an extra 500 bucks to get the radeon pro 5700 xt with that 16 gigabytes of memory so i would definitely do that i mean 500 bucks that's a no-brainer definitely a worthwhile investment too and you know as i look at this and there's been some comments now this week about how oh you know apple did this you know somewhat significant spec update for the regular iMac. Now you have an instance where you could probably uh, be better off getting an iMac that's specced out than an iMac Pro. Yeah. What's Apple going to do about that? I still think that we were kind of on the money a few weeks ago where we said the iMac Pro, especially when this redesign happens, is probably going to go away because there was a use case for it when there was this kind of stopgap uh, needed between the old trash can Mac Pro and the new Mac Pro. But now that you have that, you almost don't need that iMac Pro. I think that you can config an iMac up to an iMac Pro spec level, but I don't think you have to have a whole separate SKU of machine. Because uh, at this point, if I was going to buy a new iMac uh, Pro, I'd probably just spec out an iMac because there really isn't much difference, especially if you could get the higher end processor, you can get the higher end of GPU, you can get more RAM, you can get the 10 gig ethernet option for a hundred bucks, which is again, I think a no brainer yeah, for future proofing. But at the same time, you can future proof this machine all you want, but you gotta expect that well, we know that in less than two years, another update is going to come that's going to 
probably be a redesign. If not anything else, it's going to be a transition over to the ARM processor. Do you think, Matt, that Apple would just do kind of a silent ARM processor switch over in the next two years and then do some kind of redesign later on? Or do you think that in the next two years we will get a totally redesigned brand new iMac with an ARM chip? Uh, if they do the first option, that would be absolutely ridiculous. I, they have to do a full redesign. I think, you know, we were talking about this after our, you know, we were kind of recapping WWDC a few episodes ago. I think what they are going to do is what they just did. I mean, I think this answers the question. What are they going to do with this new iMac that we're apparently seeing with the redesign? So, Again, it wouldn't have made sense at WWDC to announce a new Intel iMac, especially if it just looks the same. That doesn't make any sense. You're like, ooh, we're going to be going to Apple Silicon, but here's a new Intel iMac. That doesn't make any sense. But also, maybe they're just not ready to show off their desktop class processors. Like, they don't want to... Maybe they're maybe they're waiting for a more grand reveal. Maybe it's not even ready yet. Like, there's questions of why that's not out. But I'm sure there is also a new design attached to that. I also wouldn't have been surprised if they were planning on showing off a completely redesigned ARM architecture iMac at WWDC, but they also knew that these just kind of refresh spec bump iMacs with the current design were ready to go as well, and they didn't want to maybe you know release them side by side. I can see that also being the case. But also in a, in a kind of another situation, it makes more sense to me that they're going to have this line continue on for at least a couple more years, at least two more years until we get the full ARM Apple Silicon architecture across the line. So they'll have these computers as the fail safe. Like, uh, OK, these, you know how they work. They are they're going to run all the programs you want. Like it's going to work exactly the same way as you're used to a Mac working. But we're going to introduce this one level. Maybe it's that 32-inch model we were hearing about. And this is going to be the top end. Something something that's, you know, it might even be crazy. Like, it, it'll probably be expensive. It'll be, like, starting price of 3500 bucks or something. But it, it is the iMac that we were waiting for. It also just happens to have Apple Silicon inside. I can see that being the, the, the way it goes. Like, I think we were kind of talking initially when we first heard all the rumors about this is that they would have... Uh, the new iMac design, so like a 21-inch, a, 20, a 21-inch, the 27-inch, and a 32-inch, all with the new design, all with Apple Silicon, and maybe keep around like a 27-inch of the current design with an Intel chip. They might actually be doing the opposite, keep the entire Intel line, but give us one really crazy 32-inch redesign with an Apple Silicon chip. I could see that happening now, especially. Yeah, you know, that's interesting. That could even maybe be, maybe the new ARM-based iMac is a new iMac Pro. Maybe it uh, comes in the form yeah. of an iMac Pro first. And I mean, also, you kind of make a good point that I wouldn't be surprised if now, since they just refreshed this, the iMac is maybe one of the last things to get uh, the That's transition yeah. um, to happen to because this is just so brand new. And we can guess right now that we're probably going to see the ARM transition probably start first in the mobile uh, fleet of computers, yeah. so probably in the laptops before it hits desktop. So, I, again, I think that we could go in circles about if you should buy, if you should not buy. It all comes down to if you were waiting for a new desktop-grade computer, and especially if you wanted something with a uh, matte kind of finish, then this is a very good option. I mean, you can configure. I, I still think it's expensive, no doubt about it, but if you wanted to go with a uh, you know top end 10 core 
iMac, uh, iMac with the uh, i9, you have standard glass, you do 32 gigs of RAM, you do the high-end um, GPU, you get a 512 gig SSD, 10 gig Ethernet. I mean, you're still under 4,000 bucks for that. And that is a beast of a computer that if you're looking for something that runs Intel that's going to last another four years, here's your answer. I mean, this is just a, a very, very solid machine. So right. cool to see that that update come. And I think that uh, it, makes, it makes me a little jealous that we just got those laptops because, oh, that iMac yeah. looks I mean, really nice. Yeah, we were talking about it. And I think my computer, I think the return window just ended today. But we were thinking, like, maybe we should get one of these iMacs um, because we're one of those situations where, yeah, we needed new computers, but we're not going to get the Apple Silicon computer right out the bat. Like, I mean, yeah, we're going to get one to test and stuff, but not as our main editing machines because there's bound to be like it would be a miracle if there's not tons of issues, you know, for the first year, if not longer, like programs not working, uh, legacy apps not working. I mean, there's no way there's not going to be all these issues. So we're the kind of people that are not going to update to this computer right away for our main editing machines. So it makes sense for us to buy something like this iMac because it'll last us a good two years, three years, if not longer. And then by then, hopefully, you know, some of these kinks are kind of worked out. But if, but I mean, yeah, like you said, like if, if you're not in the market to get a new computer right now, this second, then it's so hard to just recommend getting anything anything of any apple computer really like i can't recommend anyone do it right now unless you absolutely need it um another weird uh rumor we heard this week that was quickly reversed was that uh you know there's all this tiktok controversy going on right now we yeah. heard that microsoft has officially like formally said they are in talks to try to acquire like the u.s based operations of tiktok there were some rumors for at least for a few hours that apple was interested in acquiring tiktok which absolutely made zero sense, and they have now since come out and said they're not, just because if you think about it, what a headache of <laughs> controversy, I know. of liabilities, of drama and issues that are going to come with TikTok. There is an upside to it, but there's also an inherent downside. I just, I don't know what you thought when you saw those rumors, Matt, but I thought there's, there's no way. I, how could you take Apple, the very... Uh, a company that very highly values its reputation and its um, how it is perceived, very family friendly, even their not so family friendly stuff on Apple TV is tastefully done, juxtaposed with TikTok, which is anything but tasteful and <laughs> high class. It just it seemed to be a really, really weird uh rumor if it was to be true did yeah. you have any thoughts well, on that I mean, and do you think there's any any world that could exist i get it on one hand maybe not tiktok itself but i get the idea that apple wants a social network because that's the one thing they right. don't have so what a better way than just to buy one that already works and tiktok obviously would love to be owned by an american company right now so uh it kind of makes sense and you know what i what i'm sure happened here is that TikTok, I mean, it's already official. Uh, the executive order is going to be basically banning TikTok within 45 days. So it makes sense that TikTok would want to get bought by an American company so that, you know, it's an American company at that point. So, you know, there you go, no problems. Uh, and I'm sure what happened is that TikTok went to every major company that could afford them and just said, would you like to buy us? And that technically, I guess, means that they were in talks. <laughs> I'm sure that's what happened. Like, Microsoft, right. we've been here. Microsoft wants to buy them for a while now. So that, and they've confirmed it at this point, I guess. So that makes sense. Apple getting into it, 
I don't know. I, I mean, I guess I get it. You know, when Insta or uh, when Facebook bought Instagram, that didn't make much sense. I didn't think at the time, but that obviously worked out. So I, I can see Apple getting a social network at some point. I just don't know what it is. Honestly, I feel like they should buy Twitter or something like that. That makes more sense to me. Like it's it's almost like, you know, Apple loves to be thought as the default. Like everything in your life involves Apple as the default. So like your phone, your computer, your um, HomePod, all that kind of stuff. Like everything you do involves Apple in some way. Well, then now when you're on the internet, it involves Apple even more. Like with the social network, I I can see them doing that. But also, it just seems like such a headache. Like why deal with any of that kind of stuff? Yeah, Apple has like tried and failed with Ping and other things to kind of be in the social network uh, kind of cultural phenomenon, and they just can't seem to do it. It's like their web apps. They just can't really seem to do web-based stuff well. Uh, but I just think of like what a headache owning a social network, especially in this day and age, uh, all that entails. You have the scrutiny that Facebook and Twitter and all these companies are under for what is allowed on their networks and what's not allowed on their networks. And Apple is, like I said, very careful of their image, of how they are perceived, on what news they allow to be spread on their kind of pipe, pipeline, so to speak. So right. I just, I, I don't know what a safe uh, social network that exists that they would be valuable to them. Maybe like a Pinterest, but like, I, I don't Ooh, know. Pinterest, that makes sense. <laughs> I mean, that would actually make probably more sense than anything else. Yeah. Well, and then, you know what I was just thinking as you were saying that there's no way that Apple is ever actually considering this because what does Apple love or not love, but what does Apple really take seriously? Privacy. What is every, what is, why is TikTok in all this trouble? Yeah. Privacy. So there's no way they're going to buy TikTok and then what suddenly like uh, they're going to be accused of like stealing all your data. That's never going to happen. There's no way Apple's going to let themselves get into that PR nightmare. But Pinterest, on the other hand, or something, or maybe like, I don't know, Etsy or something. <laughs> like, I could see I could see something like that that's very tame. That makes more sense. Yeah. I'm sure that if Facebook could buy TikTok and there wouldn't Ooh. be a whole antitrust thing, they would totally do it. Yeah, definitely. Because... Well, I mean, but they I just did that, uh, Reels, which is a TikTok ripoff. Apparently, everyone hates right. it. But I'm sure, just like how everyone hated Stories when uh, that was released compared to Snapchat, uh, I'm sure in like three, four months, it's going to be the next big thing and everyone's going to be using it. Well, that's the thing is I feel like the one company that probably could use a little help right now and a little lifeline that probably couldn't afford it would be Snapchat. I mean, if they could buy TikTok, That'd be perfect. Uh, I yeah. feel like that would do some do a lot of good for them right now because they just, you know, all by all accounts aren't doing as good as they used to, but uh, I don't know if they could afford that multi-billion dollar price tag. The Microsoft thing, it sounds weird, but on another sense, it does make sense. They do get a little bit outside of their realm of expertise. I mean, you can look at the Xbox and like they yeah. already not only own a gaming platform, but they own a social network in a sense. They own Xbox Live. Uh, and I think that they, it, the Microsoft TikTok thing makes a whole lot more sense than Apple and TikTok. And like I said, Apple has publicly said, I guess, or they gave a quote to somebody that they are not interested in that, which makes a whole lot of sense. But Apple and acquisitions is very weird. Apple is very careful on their acquisitions and they haven't really made a huge acquisition that really 
ruffled some feathers or made any big rumblings in a while. I feel like the last huge one was probably Beats that really had any kind of impact. Yeah. But they're very, very low flying under the radar with their stuff. Yeah, the, I guess. So they bought. Yeah, they, they seem to buy stuff that is strategic. So they bought. What was that? Um, Dark Sky. And we've already seen mm-hmm. that implemented. Like the weather app in iOS 14 is now richer with more information. Like all that stuff makes sense. But it doesn't make sense to just buy a headache, which I think that's what TikTok would be. The one acquisition, which I think we've mentioned this before, I know you have talked about it, Matt. I've seen rumors about this is that if Apple was to buy anything, DuckDuckGo seems to align best with their privacy focused mantra. I, I just, I don't know what. Unless they were to make it the default search engine on the iPhone, which I feel like would be a whole issue, but what benefit would Apple get from buying a search engine? Well, I mean, I kind of get it in one hand because what, like, if you look from a, okay, what does Google have that Apple doesn't have? And to me, the one thing that they have, well, obviously the search engine, but what does that really give them is a excellent uh, virtual assistant. The whole reason why Google Assistant is so good is because of Google Search. Because if you look at what Google, if you look at what the Google Assistant actually does when you actually ask it a question, all it does is just read the knowledge graph thing that you would get if you were to search it on your website. That's all it does. That's why it seems so good is because it just reads from Google. And when you ask on the iPhone, it does the same thing. It just doesn't read it to you. It just says, here's what I found on the web. So if Apple was able to have a search engine that they can do more with, I mean, the whole, I mean, it's a search engine, so you can get to pretty much everything on the internet there. Then I can see that being a benefit where they don't have to rely on Google anymore. They can really kind of go even further with it and have that information. And I think the one product that would benefit from that is Siri, obviously. But I I think, I can't remember who said this or even if they did say this, but I think Steve Jobs uh, in the past, you know, they had questions of like, I can't remember when it was exactly. I think there was a time when they switched from Google to Bing as the default. Didn't they do that? Does that sound familiar? Uh, yes. And I know they use uh, Bing as, or it used to be kind of the main data source for Siri was Bing results. Right. Yeah. So, and I think they were asked like, oh, are you interested in like buying or creating your own search engine, that kind of stuff. And I, I, I don't know what the situation was, but I just remember Steve Jobs or someone at Apple saying at some point, you know, we're not going to just build stuff because we have a competitor. We're going to build stuff that we think is better um, or that we can actually do in the way that we need because it's going to help us create better products. So they're not just going to build a search engine, but they could buy DuckDuckGo because it actually does give them a better product in some way, shape or form. And it goes along with their whole narrative of privacy. I mean, I use DuckDuckGo every once in a while, but if it was automatically built in, then of course I would use it more and I, I would, yeah. and I would probably actually care or I would, I don't know how much I would care, but I would, uh, appreciate that all my data isn't just getting farmed out from me. Um, you know, Google is just kind of the default in the zeitgeist. So I, that's why I just never think of it. But if I do think about it, then yeah, I do actually go into a, a different, um, browser or not browser, but a search engine because it is something I care about. It's just, you know, in day to day life, you kind of just forget, but if Apple made it the default, then I'd be happy about that. On another hand, though, too, there is some, I guess, some potential good with this because you have companies like uh, Yahoo and Microsoft with Bing who are trying to really put some pressure on Google. But there really is, I mean, come on, Google is 
dominating, I think. I think it's like what, like 90% or 96% of all web search traffic. I mean, if Apple was to flip a switch and, hey, starting in iOS 15, the default is Apple search, that would really, I feel like more than anything, put some real pressure and competition on Google, especially because if you were to, you know, not only would you be in front of, if you were like a web developer, if somehow involved in this, you'd be in a huge uh, population of users, but uh, you know that it's more privacy focused. It looks better for you to be involved in this Apple thing. You know, you're very privacy fo- uh, focused or conscious company. It's a win-win for everybody but Google. So I don't think that's ever going to happen. I mean, there's been rumors we'll see, but that was just kind of an an interesting thing. Makes way more sense than a TikTok acquisition, which just <laughs> seems totally out of left field. Yeah, I mean, well, and then another way, I mean, we can get off of this because I think we've kind of already gone gone as far as we can go but if you look at everything that they've acquired i kind of already said this but like it, it's it betters a product or creates a product that they wanted to do i can't see what tiktok would give them except for just the service uh everything else they get or acquire it and then they build it into a new product or they create their own product out of it tiktok doesn't really give you that yep absolutely not uh, kind of the last kind of big Apple news that happened, kind of the big Apple uh, news blitz day was that Phil Schiller is now advancing to become an Apple fellow and Greg Joswiak is going to move up into the senior VP of product marketing role. Uh, I mean, good for Phil. I mean, yeah. he's still going to be on board. It's he still seems like he's going to report directly to Tim. He's going to be, you know, still involved in maybe more broader kind of larger projects and not so much the day-to-day of marketing. Obviously, he's done a tremendous job. Apple is a very, Apple is so abnormal with how they do marketing. They never tweet. They're not big on social media. They do some posting on YouTube and stuff and Facebook, but they're really just so atypical in this social media focused uh, world and they, they actually stick with a lot of the old stuff. They do a lot of billboard advertising. Yeah, they do true. a lot of out of home uh, TV uh, bus stop. Yeah, TV stuff is big too. I mean, it's very weird that they're almost uh, like totally stuck in like the the last uh, century almost. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then Schiller's. What's interesting is he's still going to be leading the App Store and Apple events. He's just not. He's just dropping the marketing. So it's like. I'm not exactly sure what happened here. Like maybe, I mean, Phil's, he's been there forever. So it's, I'm sure he could just kind of do whatever he wants at this point. So he's, he's probably just like, you know what? I just don't want to do that anymore. Like I want to take a little break. <laughs> so he's like, I'll hand this off. Cause I mean, he's, he's not leaving. He's not, he's still going to be doing the app store. Like I said, and Apple events. I mean, that's not a, that's not a small job. That's, I mean, being in charge of the app store, that's, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, and then also Apple events. I mean, that's, they, I mean, I guess right now they're not doing very many events, but Apple events are always getting bigger and bigger. So he's still there and still doing stuff. Um, and I, I'm, I'm assuming he's still going to be on stage even like when they announce stuff, but maybe not. I don't yeah. know. As fun as that job sounds, I would not oh, want that geez. to be my responsibility. You are the final point of command for the Apple event. Like, <laughs> Hey, this fall iPhone event, like you got to make it good. And I, I guess on one hand, I mean, this pandemic has kind of maybe helped that be a little bit easier because this gives Apple more control. We're going to assume that the iPhone event is going to be pre-taped like WWDC because by all accounts, that worked out really well. So maybe it's his job is a little bit easier these days, but man, like what I couldn't imagine the pressure that would be, you get one thing goes wrong. Someone has a bad experience, a technical glitch. I mean, 
could you imagine uh, like a technical glitch during oh, the presentation oh, and uh, oh, Apple would never live it down? <laughs> well, yeah. And well, I guess Phil has been in charge of some of the more embarrassing quotes. So can't innovate, right. can't innovate anymore. That was him. And then also courage for the headphone jack. That was also him. So right. <laughs> maybe we won't get any more of those. Maybe uh, Craig Federighi just do the whole event because people se- seem to yeah. love him. So. Keep it, keep it uh, on the script. Uh, don't go do any ad libbing or anything because that usually seems to to hurt them. So maybe <laughs> maybe this is just better for everybody. Um, but uh, interesting to kind of see the leadership dynamics change at Apple. Um, man, is there yeah, any other big, one more, well, big stuff? I don't know if it's big. But oh yeah, yeah. There's one more thing that I think is is such a tiny little detail that most people would never care about. But I'm excited for it if it actually happens, and that is. A new rumor for the iPhone 12. Okay, we talked about it last week how pretty much all the cool stuff is not going to be there. And so far, that still seems to be the case. But one new thing that we have been seeing, confirmed, who knows, we don't know. This might not actually be happening. But apparently on the back of the iPhone and the inside, there's going to be a ring of magnets. And this will let you do a few things. One idea is that it's for a wireless charger. So another rumor that we've heard is that an air power type design charger is coming. Not exactly what air power was before, but... Um, you know, a wireless charger from Apple. And these magnets would actually align perfectly on that wireless charger, which kind of makes sense. I mean, if you think one of the reasons why wireless charging kind of sucks is because if you don't have it perfectly lined up, your speed and efficiency drops drastically. So yeah, it might work if you have it kind of on the edge, but you're not going to be charging very fast. I mean, it has to be pretty much perfectly aligned for it to work the best possible. So if you have magnets that just automatically do that for you, that's kind of cool. That makes sense. Um, But also we're hearing that maybe it works for the cases. Like instead of having the case, uh, you know, squeeze on with friction, you can just snap it on with magnets. Uh, That's kind of cool. I don't really care about it for the cases necessarily, but I care for it for like third-party accessories, like in the car, like a car mount. There, There are plenty of uh, third parties right now today that make um, magnetic mounts for your phone, but you have to like stick this metal plate in the back of your phone and it's really ugly. I don't really like it. And if you actually did that with today's phones, you wouldn't be able to use wireless charging. So that would suck also. But if the magnets are just built in, bam, you just smack it on to really anything wirelessly charge while you do it and you don't have any cables. It's like a really small thing and we don't even know if it's going to happen, but it looks cool. If you think about one thing Apple is really good at, besides all the long laundry list of things it is, uh, one of them is magnets. And I was watching yep. uh, the kind of Jerry Rig Everything video on the iPad uh, 2020 and the smart, uh, the magic, uh, what's it called? The magic keyboard case or yep. what do they even call it? Yep. Uh, but Apple is getting really good with their magnets. I mean, this iPad Pro is able to float in this kind of very unique design and it stays really well attached to this keyboard case because of magnets. And I feel like Apple has kind of since, what was it, the smart cover? Like since those early yeah, days, they like cover. kind of experimented with iPad magnets two, and what, ma- yeah, yeah. what magnets could do and how it interacts with the software. So I feel like secretly they've been building up this arsenal and this information. Uh, they've been learning more and more on how to perfect the use of magnets. And I will say with the, with the iPad Pro, and the smart keyboard or the magic uh, keyboard case is excellent. So I think that it makes total sense that, you know, we had always wondered how was this um, 
air power thing going to work? Was it going to be that the coil was so large that you could place the phone anywhere? And I think that might have been the point of issue because the coil was so large, there was too much heat because the whole idea was you could set it anywhere and it would work. Now maybe the idea is with this new air power that there's going to be a regular size coil, but magnets that's going to kind of push the phone and snap it right into place, like you said, so you get a perfect uh, kind of fit to the wireless charger every time. That makes total sense. Yeah. Another thing that uh, I heard some people say, although unless I'm completely wrong about how magnets work, they're polarized. So like one's positive, one's negative. So you can't put two positive or two negative together. But that aside, some other things I've heard people say is that maybe if you have reverse wireless charging, you can actually kind of stick the phones together and they, it'll actually be useful instead of, you know, right now you have to kind of place them on the table and just leave them there. Or maybe for your AirPods or for your Apple watch or something like that, where it'll actually just like stick on that way. I mean, it actually makes more sense for the Apple watch because the Apple watch already has a magnet for, uh, the charger. So that actually makes a ton of sense. Like you put your watch on the back, it magnetizes right on where it needs to be. And then there you go. You have a wireless charger for your Apple watch and then you can plug your phone in and then you have a charger for both. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but yeah, I, I like all this magnet talk. There's a lot of cool stuff that you can do with it. I always thought again, correct me if I'm wrong here, but when we were growing up and stuff, I always thought that magnets were not good for electronics. Maybe they fixed that. Maybe that was never true. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I thought so too. I, I don't know. Maybe things have just changed and technology has progressed, and now it's uh, obviously it's, the uh, iPad it's works good. fine. Apple's so. using it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's the power. The power of magnets. Exactly. No, it's it's cool for sure. I mean, I was looking at the because uh, we're looking at getting another car here, and it's not going to have. Um, it's it's old, so it's not gonna have like air air not air power. Uh, it's not gonna have CarPlay or anything inside. So I was trying to think of like what what's the best way to kind of get around that. And besides like swapping out the actual head unit for one that has uh, CarPlay, I was thinking I'll just probably make a custom mount for the iPad. Uh, maybe I'll buy like an old smart cover or something, and then cut it so that I can mount it, and then I'll just magnetically attach the iPad there every time. But all that is thanks to magnets, and that's not something you'd be able to do normally. That'd be cool. You could also do that, uh, what was it, that hack we did in that one video where you can run Android, oh, yeah. or you can run CarPlay off of like an Android tablet. That was a little janky. janky. Yeah. <laughs> that was a little more janky than, uh, I, I'd be interested, you know, now the whole thing isn't, of course, we have different cars, but, uh, you know, the whole thing now is wireless CarPlay, yep. which looks super cool. So if you ever did swap out the head unit, which sounds like a pain, but I'd be interested to see uh, how that wireless CarPlay works because that seems pretty cool. Yeah, no, definitely. I'd, I mean, well, and well, well, and then the portless phone is coming at some point. So if I was going to put in a new head unit, I'm going to want to future-proof it. So it's going to have to have wireless CarPlay right. for me at least. So yeah, that yeah, that, that's a whole discussion for another episode, but. I think that's really the only thing about the new iPhone that we've heard that at least is promising since everything else is kind of going backwards. All the cool features are gone. I mean, we got another leak about the screen. Apparently, the notch is exactly the same size. I mean, it's yep. it's all over the place. It's a mess. Uh, <laughs> as long as we get this new design, I guess I'm going to be happy. But every other feature is, oh, man. Remember, if you just go back a few episodes, we were so excited. And now it's just, oh, man. It's a double-edged sword. On one hand, it's fun to stay up to date with the rumors and you get excited. But on the other hand, you get a little too excited and now we're like disappointed because all this stuff that seemed like it was a shoe-in for the 2020 iPhones, ProMotion, smaller notch, even bigger batteries, 
because supposedly now the battery is yeah. getting smaller. Just all this weird stuff is just so odd. So I guess we'll see what happens. But the new sizes, the new design, that is something cool that at least makes it different. I don't know if it's a justifiable upgrade if I wasn't on the upgrade program, but uh, we'll let you know when we get them to test out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, um, but I mean, I think that's really it for this week. Luckily, there's a lot of stuff to uh, talk about, a lot of cool stuff. So, I mean, like always, a little housekeeping here. Actually, for next week's question, let us know maybe what iMac would you get? Would you get an iMac? Are you in the market for a new Mac? What are you kind of thinking there? We'd love to uh, hear uh, your thoughts. That number where you can send in those questions is, is down in the show, or I guess not down, but it's in the show notes. So go check that out. Also, if you enjoy these episodes, again, we appreciate everyone that listens. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review. That really helps for people to discover the show and uh Hopefully you guys actually do like it, so uh, you don't have to lie on these review- <laughs> reviews. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's it, and uh, we'll see you next week. See you guys next week.